Blog Talk Radio. I mean, that, that huh. was something that was very unusual. 
Well, I'm glad things are starting to to get better for you, and I hope you don't have anything like that come in because it's been a brutal winter, I think, everywhere. Oh, yes. And yes. everybody, everybody is ready, you know, for some kind of spring to come in. Right, well, I right. Did, I did want to remind everybody that uh, it is a call-in show, and the number is 516-387-1756. So we can keep our conversations going, and I'm really glad that you gave me a call tonight, Randall. Um, yeah. If you have any type of a question, you know I'm pretty much an open book. Um, well, I suppose a few of my pages are glued together, but you know most <laughs> of the time I can can answer most uh, any of your questions. I also thought we would share some some fun history about the Old West tonight, and I've also got a couple of questions that have come in from people who uh, who write to me. So why don't I get started with one of those? Okay. Uh, this one came in oh, from, from Melanie in Wisconsin, and she writes, I know you can't keep goats and chickens on your property, but how about bees? Have you ever considered it? Well, I don't know, Randall. Do you have you ever thought about keeping bees, or do you know anything about bees? Because it really made me go research them. Well, I I was going to get some. I had my hive and everything a friend of mine gave me, and I bought them. Mm-hmm. But I got to talking to them, and I got to looking. It was going to cost me like five hundred dollars to maybe get a quart of honey, and I thought. And, and the reason why I wanted the bees was for the pollination, and I thought they're not like bees like when I was young and Daddy had them, because them old black bees they just took care of themselves. You didn't have to do nothing. They took care of the hive. Anything bothered it, they got attacked. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I hadn't really thought about the cost involved, but that's an excellent point. And, uh, but you know. Melanie was correct. I I can't keep a lot of small animals here. I think I've mentioned that before to people that uh, Uh we can't have chickens and other things because it would bring in every bear, cougar, wolf, and coyote, you know, for miles. And so it's kind of an interesting question about the bees. Personally, I wouldn't have them because I do believe that the – the honey, you know, would attract the bears. Now, a few of the ranchers near us do have bees, but they keep their boxes just miles from their homes. And here we have a really rugged terrain here on the mountain. And it would be very hard for me to access any boxes, you know, that I tried to keep away from the house. And, frankly, I don't want to go way up into the mountain and compete with the bears in their territory. Um, In fact, we have a black bear that has cubs just about every year. And she lives in a den that's a few hundred yards up behind our place, up the mountainside. My my neighbors have seen her. And we do have kind of an agreement between us that I won't bother her if she won't bother me. (laughs) Well, it's a good thing y'all got a good understanding there because Well, I have to tell you, she's kind of broken her side of the contract a couple of times, but Uh she hasn't really come that close to the house 
and you know I'm not going to argue with her about it um, because I would I might lose. So <laughs> we uh, we don't keep yeah we don't keep the bees. But you know I found out a couple of things about bees that I'll share with you if you're interested in hearing about them. Yes, I'm very interested. Because I went ahead and did some, did some research when she asked me the question. And I did find out that honeybees fly up to about 15 miles per hour, which My goodness. I was kind of, yeah, I was kind of surprised about that. I didn't think they could go that fast. And I didn't either. Well, well, since you were looking into hives, you might already know this, but um, apparently the temperature is a constant 90 degrees Fahrenheit and they manage to do that year round yeah see I, I didn't know that mm-hmm. and I found that kind of surprising especially with the way the winters are here and as far as I know the ranchers don't do anything special you know to keep the bees from freezing so I thought well that's kind of an interesting point I also found out that they lay as much as 2,000 eggs a day and an average of one every 45 seconds Wow, that queen, buddy, she's on it, ain't she? She well, frankly, it sounds exhausting to me, and I'm, I guess I'm kind of glad I'm the Montana queen and not the bee queen, because. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. I be, don't think I, I don't be, think I could do that. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I. But, but yeah, another thing that I that I found out about the bees, the kind that I would get was called an Italian bee, and they wasn't aggressive like. You had to really make them mad to sting you. You really, really had to do something. Not like the bees, like I was telling you, like Daddy had when I was a kid. There's a lot different. You have to feed them. A lot of stuff. Is this? I just, I didn't know if it'd be worth it or not. Well, I, I don't know. A lot of people that keep them enjoy it, and I've known some people who have done it. Um, now, I, I was reading, too, I also found out that the honey is actually 80% sugars and 20% water. And so what that meant was if you put it in some type of an airtight container, that it would never spoil. And you probably heard the stories, too, that they have found honey in King yes. Cut's tomb. Yeah, that was yes. actually still edible, being over 2,000 years old. So I've heard now that. I feel a little better about you know, the honey in my cupboard when I go to take it out and it's been in there for a while and I've looked at it a few times and thought, gee, I wonder if this is any good. But apparently, you know, it doesn't spoil. So, yeah, who knew? Maybe everybody but me. I don't know. Well, I I, I just found that out not too long ago. I didn't realize it lasts forever. I mean, it seems like yeah, I read something back in the Bible times they'd found some that it was still good. Well, you know, um, a honey actually is a Hebrew word. Um, no, I, I didn't believe that. It means, yeah, I think it means enchant, and I I might be wrong about that, but I'm I think that's what I remember correctly. You know, initially it was just a, a sweetener for for food and beverages, but yeah. actually now they're using it in medical treatments too, which I thought was really interesting, and. I also uh, was reading that at one point in the 11th century that honey was in such demand that the German peasants were required to offer 
honey and beeswax as part of their payment to their lords, you know, when they were in the feudal system. Wow. So, yeah. So who knew that honey could be so interesting? <laughs> well, that's, that's news to me. I never knew that. I knew it's, you know, I've heard a lot of people, you know, down here where we live, a lot of allergies, you know, hay fever and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they claim if you eat it every day, it would really help them. But I have to eat an Allegra every day, so you know what I mean. I have oh, for years, I, you know. Yeah, with allergies. I don't really know if yeah. any. Uh, I've heard it has antibacterial properties in it, but I don't know exactly what it, you know, what it's all used for in medicine. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Um, well. I did I did get another question. Actually, I had a few people ask me about what we were going to be growing in the garden this year. Oh, and that'd be I started, interesting. Yeah, I, I actually started investigating a new concept. And I don't know if you've heard anything about this, but have you ever heard of hail bale uh, gardening? Where you actually no, I've never put heard plants of that. in, in, bay, in uh, hay bales? Yeah, well, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, I read that in the Countryside magazine one time. Well, you know, I ran it past the horses, and hmm. I kind of received a mixed response from them because <laughs> they were a little upset with the idea of using their I can hay. imagine. Yeah, I for can gardening. imagine. <laughs> now, Star, who's our rescue horse, of course, Star was incredibly interested in the idea but only if he could eat the plants and the hay that they were growing in see he's he really mm. keen on that but yeah my other two guys wilson and whiskey oh no they didn't like the idea of sharing hay with anything they they didn't want me to use it but uh i know oh wilson really looked good in that picture he looked like he was in real good shape you know, Wilson is doing very well, and he came through the winter just great. So did Whiskey, and do you know this spring Whiskey's going to be 32? 32? Yeah. That's, Isn't that amazing? That's the reason why I keep commenting about how good he looks, because, you know, his age, you know, I mean, he, he don't look that old to me. Well, he's doing really well. We we give him lots of supplements. Uh Whiskey can't, he can't eat the hay anymore. He hardly has any teeth. And so oh. we give some uh, senior feed, which is like a, almost like dog food for horses. You know, it's a senior blend of, of food. And yeah. we give him lots of supplements to keep him, keep him nice and plump. And he did very well through the winter. Now, Star, if you remember Star, he's the rescue yeah. horse. Okay, right. so we've had Star less than a year. And he's doing really well, too. He he was a little bit thinner coming out of winter. He's still trying to gather his strength, but he's putting on weight, and he's making improvements, you know, every day. And what's kind of cute about him, He when he first came, he was so badly injured in that hip and leg that he couldn't lay down. So he used to sleep standing oh, up. Oh, man. And now that... He's improving and getting stronger. He's able to lay down on the ground, 
and get himself oh, back up. So oh, now that he can do that, I know it's so wonderful to see. I look outside the window, and he's, he's just laying down all the time. He, he'll lay down, <laughs> and, and he'll lay in the grass now because the snow is gone, and then he'll get back up. And a little while later, I'll look out, and he's totally laid out on his side, just sunning himself, and he looks so relaxed and so happy. And then he'll get up, and then an hour or two later, I'll look at him, and he'll be doing it. So all day long, it's almost like, look what I can do. <laughs> and well, it's, I, well, it's good that you got him so he could get straightened out. Well, I'm just so pleased that he's able to, you know, he's able to rest because they do yeah. need to lay down and they do need sleep where their bodies are just completely relaxed. And so it's, uh-huh. it is. It's a great relief for me to see him rested and relaxed and, and happy. So he can uh, he continues to improve, and, and I'm always posting little updates about him because he's such a sweet fellow. He's got quite a following. Yeah, he's, he's a pretty thing. Well, but Wilson, to, to me, he looks oh. like the horse that I had, Jack. Right, that's, that's the reason why I like him me. so well. Yeah, Wilson, he's such a ladies' man. <laughs> and he's, he is. He's he's kind of our uh, comedian of the group, and and he just bats those eyelashes at all the ladies, and they just melt in front of him. and. Oh. Um, oh. I, I might have mentioned this once before, but it stuck in my mind because it's so cute. Because this one woman wrote me and she said, "Oh, Wilson is such a Casanova," <laughs> <laughs> and and he is. He he just loves the ladies. I pull out the camera, and he is just right there. He comes right up to the camera. He wants his photo taken. He likes to pose, and. Um, I don't have any trouble with him. Now, Whiskey, Whiskey, my uh, my handsome gentleman there, my elderly gentleman, he'll turn around and walk away. He's not a real fan of the camera, but boy, Wilson is. He, he wants you know, to there was a famous horse that really liked the camera, the Secretariat. You know, I think you know, I remember least. reading that. Yeah, he, too, he, also he used to stand up and pose, didn't he? Yes, sir. He sure would. <laughs> yeah, they're they're such wonderful animals, and they have great personalities. Yeah. You know, and just like people, um, they all have a different way of looking at things and behaving and thinking. And it's so great to get to know them. Well, I've got another call, oh, yeah. Randall. Let me welcome somebody. Okay, in. go Hang ahead. On. Hi, welcome in and introduce yourself. Hi, Nancy. This is James Fry from uh, Lakewood, Washington. Hello, James. How are you tonight? Really good. I got a couple questions for you. Oh, sure. I'll be happy to answer them. What are they? How cold has it ever been in Montana since you've been living there? Well, I would say that you know how bad this winter was for everybody. And yep. the record that I remember was up on the pass, uh, which isn't too far from us, and it was negative 51 with wind chill. Mm. How many feet of snow has gotten? How deep has it ever been? Yeah, um, 
as far as our snow this year, I would think we probably have. Since you've lived there, how deep has your snow ever been? Probably about 80 or so inches would be my guess. And uh, we we got we get quite a bit of snow, and then on certain years, of course, it's it's a little more or a little less. But I would say that's probably about about the average. Do you have well water, or do you have city water? Well, well, I have a well. <laughs> okay. Um, you ever had your water pipes freeze up on you? I have actually. Yeah, they have. Uh, frozen a couple of times, and we have to get out a handy uh, hair dryer and go down underneath the foundation there in the crawl space and and warm them up. Um, Hang on, James. Let me bring in another caller, and then I'll come back and answer some more of your questions, okay? Yeah. All right. And hi. Welcome in, and please introduce yourself. This is Cherokee Wolf from... Mount Vernon, Kentucky. Hello. How are you tonight? <laughs> I am wonderful. Sleeping in a five-star cabin, and I posted a few pictures. I don't know if you saw me in or not. I haven't, but I can go. I'll have to go look at them. So you're taking a nice evening by. Are you? Are you outside? Is it windy or is it water? I'm hearing. What is that? Uh, it's probably my feedback machine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> We're hooked up for I the knew night I here. I, yeah. Uh, no, we we had a very nice ride home. Her down here. I brought a friend down with me. Uh, and uh, then I'm going to go down on the Chattanooga tomorrow. Okay, so you're... So you're out, just out and about, having a a nice time this evening. Well, I'm glad, and I'm glad you thought of me and decided to call in. Hang on one second, and let me finish with James. I was kind of in the middle of a question he had when you called in, but uh-huh. I didn't want to sit and wait on the line. So, hey, James, you still I'm there? Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Yes, I am. Okay, I'm, I. What else did you want to say? I didn't mean to cut you off, but I didn't want to. Leave uh, my callers. You're fine. There, so. I'm curious about if your water ever froze, and you answered that question that you used the hair dryer. When my water pipe froze here in Washington, I had to go down and make an ASAP handheld blowtorch. Oh, a blowtorch. Wow. That's, yeah, that's probably more than I would want to try to work with. I, I just used a hair dryer. My husband actually went down. It's, it's kind of a Mine funny story, and I didn't write about it. I had to put in a few, few new pieces of pipe, even. Oh, yeah, we, well, we're, we have a crawl space so we can get down under the house and, and crawl under there, and sometimes it's a little hard to reach the pipes, but we have an idea of which one is. water pipes or anything where they froze so they don't freeze ever, ever again? Uh, yeah, we actually have insulated a few of them, and we even found out one time that we had left the, the vent, of, you know, how the sides of the house have a vent, and apparently we thought we closed it, and so the cold air got in there too. So you you never know what's the real cause of it. But once we figured it out and we're a little more savvy, we just put a little insulation on there too, and then we haven't had any trouble since. So it's been a couple of years since they've frozen up. 
That's good to hear. I was just curious about those things because I know I've had that issue here in Washington, and I know it's way colder in Montana. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, that's true. It's it's way colder here. Like I was telling uh, Randall, we get a lot of weather down from Canada, and, and I like Canada. They are such nice people, but I, it's like, Canada, please don't share your weather anymore. <laughs> you don't have to share all the cold weather with us. No. Don't have to be too generous with us. So. <laughs> you still well, got snow? No, thank goodness. Um, we have had yeah. a lot of the snow melt off, and everyone is enjoying it. It's still cold. We've got we had some wicked wind the last couple of days. I I thought for sure I'd have to put rocks into my pockets to hold me down because <laughs> when I went outside, it just about blew me down the side of the mountain and. <laughs> had to hang on to something, but uh, that will pass. That will pass too. That's just something we get this time of year, and um, it'll you know it'll get better. Yeah, you better put the rocks in your fireplace first and warm them up. James, I can barely hear you. I think I lost part of what you said. You better put the rocks in your fireplace and warm them up first, then you put them in your pocket so they're warm too. <laughs> Oh, now, see, why didn't I think of that? (laughs) That's some pretty good advice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I was just about to tell Randall a little bit about this idea. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but it was kind of interesting, and it's about gardening with reels of hay. And... The idea is to get the plants at about two weeks. Okay, whose dog? <laughs> Mine. Actually, my neighbor's dog. <laughs> I'm out of does the way now. <laughs> does he have a question for me? Was he trying to ask me a question? Probably. His name's Lucky. <laughs> my dog was out, and he was running around right by him, and so he was like, they're friends. He, that's a female dog, and mine's a male. They've been their dogs fixed, but still. <laughs> okay, well, well, we were lucky to hear lucky then, weren't we? <laughs> oh, boo, boo. <laughs> okay, now let me think. What was I telling you about? Oh yes, about trying to plant in your hay bales. Um, I read that about two weeks before you do this, you have to get the bales wet, and and you have to fertilize them, actually, for about 10 days, because the inside will begin, um, basically, to compost, and that's, that's well. when you end up putting, yeah, putting your plants in, and, it, and I just thought it was fascinating. So you can put plants or, uh, you know, your seedlings, or you can just dig a little area out and put the dirt in and put your seeds on. And and I was reading about this, but apparently it's becoming a whole lot more popular. And once, you're, once you have your uh, harvest for whatever you're growing, tomatoes or whatever, then the bales just kind of disintegrate, and then you can use that for your flower gardens or, or something else. So... I actually thought it was a really neat idea, and I was wondering if anybody else had heard of it or would even consider trying it. I 
was telling Shut Randall that horses on. were a no-go. You know, they just really didn't yeah. like the idea. But I don't know. I don't my grandfather I used to put newspaper down. Newspaper down and then put water on it and get it wet. And then the newspaper would compost away and make it warm. And he'd put his flowers in there during the winter time so that way they could make it through like a greenhouse without having to heat it. Oh, no. I've heard of that way, but I haven't heard of the hay bales. Oh, you haven't heard of that one? No, I would think the mice and the squirrels and everything would get in there and hibernate. Well, and that's true. They didn't really talk about that. I I wondered if somebody had that experience. Um, I, of course, can't grow anything outside, and I have to grow it in a greenhouse because you know that that's what happens to me, the the squirrels and the deer and the chipmunks and any other rodent-related thing. They dig up all the flowers, which I probably for so. I can't even have a flower around the house. It's it's so sad. It, it's just so depressing. And, of course, they're always eating up my silk ones. So I try to spray a little bit of a repellent or something, thinking that if it tasted bad, they wouldn't eat it. And I had success for about a week. And I thought, oh, I finally, finally I have won the chipmunk war. And, no, I found, I found out I lost that battle because after about a week, they, they tasted everything. They would get so mad they couldn't eat it. They would just rip it right out of the pots and then mm, swing them all oh over the porch. Little vicious little creatures. Very, <laughs> very, uh, you know, they, they have just, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm an author. I should be able to come up with a word. In fact, I've got several words to come up with. But uh, they just get very, very angry, and they need anger management classes. <laughs> I could well, probably get rich. Yeah, I could get rich hosting a school for anger management classes for all my rodents. Yeah, and your yeah, I teach the squirrels and all the animals. <laughs> your meat and your elk and your grizzly. <laughs> Oh yeah, the elk and the grizzlies. They and they're around. You know, the bears are on the move. I haven't seen any come in, but I know that they're out there, and I know that they're starting to move around. And we're still dealing with that one elk that likes to try to jump the fence and beat up on my horses and take the food. In fact, my husband and my youngest were down at the barn all day. And they were putting up these gates and moving things around and trying to gate off the area where we house all of the hay because we, we, we've got to just fence them out and make sure that they don't eat all of our hay because they're just really greedy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nancy, those, those elk and those both are very, very strong and a huge you talk about an angry animal. Mm-hmm. Um, they they've got some force to their shoulders, and they can break a party gate. I think pretty good unless it's metal. And um, oh, they probably could. Yeah, they probably could. Right now, that's about the best answer that we have. I'm hoping that now that the green grass is. It's beginning to come up. We're seeing a little bit of green. 
that they'll mm-hmm. begin to have plenty of things to eat and they won't want to come over here and raid our stores. I know they were doing it in the winter because they were hungry and there wasn't a lot out there, but yeah. I'm hoping that as summer comes on they will have a plethora of choices and they won't be coming after what the horses have because we do have to limit what the horses mm-hmm. eat as far as green grass in the spring because we don't want them to founder. And yeah. if you're not familiar with what founder means, if yes. the horses get mm-hmm. too much green grass, and have a high water content in it, it can make them quite sick. Yeah. So we give them a couple of hours a day of green, and then we have to keep them locked up. Now they get sassy, and and they they talk to me, and they voice their displeasure, <laughs> and they let me know, and they don't understand I'm doing it for their own good, but uh, we have to give them uh-huh. hay in the summer, you know, in the spring as well. And then later, once they've acclimated, and this takes several weeks, but they will be mm-hmm. able to eat more green grass, and then they can stay out all day. But in the beginning, we have to limit how much they eat. Sure. They talk to you when you break, too, don't they? I'm sorry? <laughs> they talk to you when you break, too, don't they? Don't they come to your window? <laughs> oh, they do. Yes, they do. They, in fact, would forego hay for some of my brownies or my my lemon bar cookies or something. They'd, they'd easily trade. And, of course, Star just says, well, I'll just have all of it. I, I'll eat the hay and the cookies. Do you know but, when I, I took those um, peach and the apple uh, bars in to the American Legion that day, I thought I was going to have a problem because <laughs> there was only a few of us, but uh, the bars quickly disappeared. <laughs> and, and I was like, there's no more. <laughs> Did and, they cause a riot? <laughs> well, it kind of gave me a few dirty looks. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you don't want to well, do this I... again. <laughs> Well, well I'm something so terrible glad. next time. <laughs> well, I'm really glad that you tried that recipe. Uh, she's talking about the the life-changing cookie recipe. I don't know if you happen to see it on YouTube, but it was my the last one I just uploaded, and it's baking. And and I'm not kidding. It really is a game changer. James, did you try the cookie? Not yet. I'm going through a dance this Friday night. I'm going to try those cookies out up there, so we'll find out how it works. Okay, now get ready for your marriage proposal. Okay, I will. (laughs) They're easy to fix. I wouldn't mind that anyway. They taste really good. So, Randall, have you? uh, Did you see the video? No, I did, but I need to watch it. I, I, I'd like to. I mean, uh, they sound. seems like I've seen something on it, but I didn't watch the video. Well, it's a a bar-style cookie, and it has an oatmeal base, and you make it with jams or preserves. It, it goes together very fast, and it's easy. It's an easy recipe. And I'm telling you, it just really enhances your social life. You bring that cookie somewhere, mm-hmm. and everybody will want to invite you back again and say, are you going to bring wow. that cookie? And 
And I know this is really true. I have found this to be true. And I make a joke in there about how you'll have to buy a new calendar to fill up with all your social engagements because everybody will invite you places, so you'll bring this cookie. And it really is a great icebreaker, and people enjoy it tremendously. So I Maybe think more than it's in your second book, isn't it? Yeah. I'm going to, yes, that is the recipe out of my second book. You're right. That one's in Stay West, Young Woman. And Make more than what you think you need. <laughs> well, you made two batches, didn't you? Didn't you put two yes. flavors in? And yes. You used and you which and one? Which I, I, made, I made peach and apple. And there was like 12 women, and it, it rapidly, I mean, I think that several of the women ate more than their share, but I didn't get any. <laughs> oh, no. But I wasn't about to tell anybody about it. <laughs> it well, you see, like... now you have to make a batch just for yourself. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've am i been told I'm pre-diabetic, so I have to really watch oh, no. my oh, sugars well, then... right now. So. <laughs> well, then you really deserve a a special pat on the back for making those cookies and not tasting them and giving them to other people. That was really nice of you. <laughs> well, I like to bake. I don't like to eat it but, uh, so much. I I am more compassionate than that, but uh, you wouldn't oh, well, know my, it to my see neighbor me. But... Likes to... <laughs> yeah, I like to bake, and then my neighbor eats it all. Well, yeah. you know, I did have another couple of... Uh, people that wrote in and asked again about the police blotter. So oh, okay. I thought I might find, I've got a couple more entries here. You know, my husband cool. told me that my dragnet theme needed work. And so <laughs> I don't know, dun, does anybody dun, else want dun, to do dun, the dragnet dun, theme? Dun, there you go. Dun, okay, dun, go ahead and start you doing <laughs> The story you're about to hear. <laughs> That's excellent. All right. Well, we're going to go with your version. So you and, yeah, good introduction for our police blotter. Okay, let me look at the first one here. I think you did a better job than I did last time. Okay, here we go. A child called 911 stating he wanted to turn in a little girl for pinching him, and he would not give his name. So that was that one was in the paper. Wow. <laughs> now you gotta understand that we're kind of a Mayberry situation around here and we don't have a whole lot of crimes, thank goodness. Hey, it's and refreshing, believe me. It is refreshing and that's why I share it with you because I'm not making fun of these things. I just think they're so charming and mm-hmm. it's just nice that these are the kinds of calls that the police deal with. I got another yeah. one here. Okay. A caller reported there was a man in his house digging through his fireplace. Now, see, okay. cleaning the fireplace, I could go for. <laughs> but hmm. digging through the fireplace, I really don't don't completely understand what that one was all about. I, I didn't get my Mary Poppins. <laughs> oh, Mary Poppins! Must have been a slow night. <laughs> yeah, Mary Poppins. You know how they're on the roof with the chimney sweep? Chim, chim, yeah. chim, chim, chim. 
<laughs> right. Of course, we actually, I would have asked, was the man cleaning your chimney, was he singing? Yeah, exactly. Maybe maybe he actually was a relative of Mary Poppins or something. I don't know. I don't know. Now, this one was kind of cute. Now, think about this one when I say it, all right? Okay. Okay. A caller reported a vehicle stopped several feet from a stop sign and sat there looking at her. So... I was trying to think. Was looking at her. <laughs> That's what I thought. My first thought was the car was looking at her, or the driver was looking at her. Who was looking at her? And why did she call the police? Because they were looking at her. Well, uh, maybe they were wanting her to go first. <laughs> I don't know. But it sure is a busy time. Yeah, that was. Just some really important important things to call the police about. I thought you guys would find that kind of charming. I know I did. Your police probably want a raise. <laughs> they probably do. <laughs> I think and everybody, be told that they, everybody they, they wants want a raise. to They want to merit the raise, so they're trying to let you know that they're on the job <laughs> investigating all the crime in the area. <laughs> All of it, no matter what it no, is, right? No crime too small. <laughs> well, I have another subject that I thought was kind of cute. Fascinating topic, and I know that you all are just really intensely interested in finding <laughs> out about yeah, Western Saloon. Yes. yes. Western Saloon. I always well, wondered you know, how they got the mirrors over there. <laughs> you know, they had to ship them in on trains. And normally the, the ones the that had the mirrors. Yeah, because in, in time, the you know, the railroad would come through. And usually the yeah, bigger but, and wealthier uh, saloons were the ones that were able to have that. But, of course, you know a saloon is just a kind of a bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you're always thinking of how they're, oh, they're dusty, and, and you know, a lot of people are in there, like fur trappers, cowboys, soldiers, lumberjacks, mm-hmm. businessmen, lawmen, miners, of course, gamblers, always always the gamblers. But there's Piano actually players. <laughs> yeah, there was actually different <laughs> kinds of saloons. And... Well. They had different names. Now, they went by names like Watering Trough and, <laughs> and Bug House. Now, this one is kind of telling. Uh, a a She-Bang. Yeah, yeah, might not want to go there. Um, <laughs> cantina. Yep. A Grog Shop. Mm-hmm. And a Gin mm. Mill. And hmm. the very first saloon was established at Brown's Hole in Wyoming in 1822, and it was actually set up to serve the the fur trappers. But by about 1880, then, the growth of saloons was in full swing. And, of course, they did more than just offer liquor. And so they Mm -hmm. also, yeah, it was also saloons and, you know, sex in the Old West. 
course. G-rated no. version. Yeah, G-rated version. I promise. No. <laughs> so, hey, did some of the guys just hang up? Did they just lose interest? <laughs> no. Oh, no. Well, I'm here. No? Okay. <laughs> Said I was keeping it at G-rating, and they just went, oh, never mind. <laughs> no. Um, the saloon that we used to go to on a Friday night, that was peanut night, and we always threw the peanut shells on the floor, and it was a hardwood floor, and it would polish the floor, and then they'd sweep them up afterwards, and the rest of the week, the floor was nice and shiny. Really? Ooh. I didn't know that. Huh. Wow. Yep, the oil from the peanut shells would get would work into the hardwood floor and make it shiny, and then when they swept it that night, it would shine up really good, and then it would last all week long, and every Friday was peanut night. So I made a point to go there on Friday and eat their peanuts. <laughs> Well, so you were just helping them out, weren't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, just helping them out. Well, you know, you've heard the term that there's no free lunch. You've probably all heard that. Yep. Did you know that in the the 1870s there was a free lunch? Yeah, that's what I'm talking (laughs) about. Yeah, the saloons actually gave out as a sales enticement. They offered a meal at no cost. If you bought a drink. Wow. And yeah, some of they the used meals... to do that around here at certain times. <laughs> oh, did they really? Huh. Yep. They well, would, that, would, that was the idea to draw you in. So you would come in on your lunch break, which you weren't supposed to be drinking alcohol, and buy an, buy an alcoholic drink or two or three and get your free lunch and then go back to work, which was the bad thing to do. <laughs> well, it was a bad thing to do. But, you know, it, <laughs> apparently in the 1870s it was really prevalent because – that's that's exactly what people did, and it was a tradition for them to to offer these meals. Now, some of them in the really nice fancy saloons, they were very elaborate meals, and then in some of the ones that weren't so well to do, it might be just just a sandwich or or something small, you know. But yeah, the saloon keepers did that to try to bring in the business, and then hoping that after they finish their dinner or their meal, they might stay and have a few more drinks and, and spend more money. So, oh, also so there actually they, was they, a few It also try to uh, give you something salty like pretzels or you know, pickles or something so that you would want to drink. Well, that's a good point, too. And, <laughs> you know, as the towns grew up and the, and the saloons became more refined, uh, the bartenders really prided themselves on the drinks that they would make and serve and and their mm-hmm. pouring abilities, and it, it almost was part of the entertainment. So that was kind of an interesting, an interesting point as well. And sure. the really early ones, of course, in the remote locations, they were, they were pretty, you know, they were pretty crude and just, just put together with minimal furniture and decorations and things, and they might just have a single burning. But it was, in a sense, the community where all the men would gather. And then you would find that the ones that grew up and got bigger, that's the ones that you saw on on TV, you know, with the kind of bat wing doors and mm-hmm. different distinctive features like that of what you would consider to be a typical saloon. But what I found interesting kind of was the fact that different ethnic groups built different kinds of saloons, and the Irish preferred stand-up bars, but 
the Germans actually had more more family-type patronage, and they geared more to wanting all the families to come in and have their meals there, and it was more of a, oh, like a social hub. So, yep. Yeah, you just never Here know. in Washington, we can, we can go to the bar here and, and take our kids with us until 9 o'clock at night. They started a new some kind of a new law, and it was really weird because when I used to live in Nebraska, it was like that, and I wouldn't take my kids to the bar. I didn't feel that was the right place to take my kids. And then mm-hmm. I came to Washington, and then Washington now started that same law to where you're allowed to take your kids until 9 o'clock at night. So it's more of a family-oriented thing. Well, wow. do, you, do you think that that's been working? Do you, do you think that that does have people bring them in, or do you think there's still kind of that stigma of, I don't want to bring my my family into a bar or a saloon. How how do you think that's working? Uh, I won't bring my kids into a bar or a saloon, and I I changed my religion and whatnot, so now I don't drink at all. So I don't go to those kinds of places ever. So I don't know anymore. But when it, when I first was still doing that, I seen some families bring their kids in, and they would sit like off in the side, not in the main part of the bar. But they would sit over in the side or in a booth, and then they'd get served and they'd eat food and whatnot. And dad or dad and mom might have a drink or a beer or something, and then they'd even take their kids home. Huh? Okay. I was just curious because so I, some I, point, yeah. I never brought I mine in either. Uh, we actually do have a saloon that's local, and I'm really not one to frequent there. And I never, I never took my kids in there, even during the day when they did serve lunches and stuff. I just it just wasn't for me. Yeah, I don't so feel like it's your right kind of place. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've heard uh, I've heard that the clientele that guard by you, Nancy, is unbearable. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you say that, but we actually had some black bears that came down into town and went by the post office and got up into some trees there. <laughs> It's true. Oh, it's gosh. really true. It happened about. Should they call oh, the God. police on that one? <laughs> you would think. You would think, and yet I didn't see anything in the blotter. So uh, I don't know. I guess time, it wasn't. One, it wasn't staring at anybody, so I guess they didn't call. Right. <laughs> it wasn't at a stop sign. That's it was right, passing it wasn't through, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A red light. They ran a red light. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was coming through Estes Park in Colorado, uh, part of the Rockies, and I came down, and it was the first time I had been there, and we saw these adult elk with the full racks and everything standing in these people's yards, like they were just standing there like they belonged there and I could not get over that to look out your window and you've got a tiny yard and here's like two or three elks standing there looking back at you I'm like okay that's unusual (laughs) well you know the elk they believe that they belong anywhere they want to be yes (laughs) and I have found that to be true because we'll have herds of elk come in to what is typically our front yard, even though we have a rather large meadow in the front. But they'll come right up close to the house, 
and they'll graze with the horses, and they just walk around like they own the place. And the moose are the same way. I have mm-hmm. a friend that I call Lady Moose, and she always comes, and sometimes she even brings <coughs> her young. And she's right in the driveway. And of another guy, he's big. He's a bull moose. He's huge. He has the huge, you know, rack mm-hmm. on the, the antlers and everything. And he comes through the yard, and you should see him. He's like the front drummer on a parade or something. His head is sky high. He just marches through like he owns the whole place. The horses scatter. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. run to the other side, and he just walks <laughs> through like, I'm here, and everybody get out of my way because I'm the most important thing on four legs. And nobody mm-hmm. argues with him, so he's going <laughs> to feel that way. They're beautiful to look at, and mm. I'm amazed. Every time, it's just such a blessing to sit here and, and see all of these things because in mm-hmm. their mind, I don't live here. <laughs> This is their their territory. This is their spot. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. funny you talk about them because, like, when I go out elk hunting, when I go into town to go buy some extra groceries or something at nighttime, or in the evening in the evening time, I'll go into town and right in the town of Packwood, here's a whole herd of elk walking through, big old racks on them and everything, walking right down the pavement. You're like, no wonder why you can't find the elk out in the woods. They're right in town hanging out because they know that they can't get <laughs> shot in town because there's a, uh, a, a city ordinance. they got to be so many feet from the city road and out of town before you can even shoot them. So they got a, they got a no-shooting zone, and the elk go inside of the no-shooting zone, and they know that, so they hang out there. Well, I so you're they like, do. wow, you know, I just here, want to chase him with my car down the road or my truck. It's like, oh, move, move, guys. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out the outside the shooting zone so we can shoot you. Do <laughs> you think it'll take your parking space? Uh, yeah, it, it walked right next to my truck. So I was like, uh, don't get mad at me and smash the side of my truck here with them horns. I was like, can I rope around you really quick and lead you out and blast you outside the shooting zone? <laughs> well, you know, they just they have their own personalities. I was telling Randall earlier when we were talking. They just have their own personalities. They're just like people, and some are shy and timid, and others are very bold, and some are friendly and some aren't. And it's interesting how well they adapt to the environment. Here, they know which day hunting season begins. They know. And nope. even if it changes from year to year, I don't know how they pass the information among them. But they do, and the day that that hunting season begins, yep. they're they've scattered. Yeah, they might read it in the newspaper. Yeah, they might read it in the newspaper. Maybe there's no. a gossip game. You know, the bears <laughs> tell the elk, and the elk tell the deer, and and the deer tell the rabbits. You never know. Gossip rags. <laughs> I have a lady that lives in Rainbow. She plants, she plants two gardens. 
one garden for the elk and one garden for her. And so when the elk come out at nighttime or even during the day, they'll come into the one lower garden and she'll let them eat out of that, let them eat the vegetables and the flowers and everything. And she has a second garden. If they go out there, she takes a pan and a spoon and goes out there and pounds on the back of the spoon and says, you guys, she calls them by names too. And she calls all their names up and she says, you guys get out of my, out of my garden. That one down there is your garden. You get back in your own garden. But then when it was hunting season, she took a pan and pounded on it and put some food in it and just pounded on the side of the pan and said, uh, Luke, dude, come on, come on out of, the, out of the woods. I got some food for you. And she called the elk right out of the woods. And she said, here you go. Shoot the one you want. They were both big old spikes. And so I shot the one with three, three foot long horns on it. It was really fun. It was my first elk I ever shot. So it was great. Oh, wow. And she called it right out. And well, she had pictures months before of it. You know, I mm. have lectured and lectured the deer about eating the roses. I've told them what they can what they can eat and what they can't eat and they're just not listening to me anymore. And they just defiantly look at me and, and take a bite and then I have to step outside and lecture them and they just say, Well, oh all right, I can't have this one and they'll take a bite. Can I have this one? No, not that one. Can I eat this one? And they'll run around to all the to the shrubbery and just tasting everything until I say, Look, you've really you've really had your fill. So you take the spoon, it. like a wooden spoon and an aluminum pan, and go out there and pound on it or a stainless steel pan when you're yelling, when you're trying to get him to leave and scare him off with that. That does work for a while anyway. Well, it does, but they, they, they're they so used to me now. Well, you know, I can't yep. believe it, but our time is threatened. up tonight for our discussion. I've only got another minute or so left on my on my clock here. So it really was fun, and it went so fast. And I want to thank you all for calling in, Randall and James and Cherokee Wolf. You're welcome. So nice to be able to just catch up and and share some information and kind of laugh and learn together. And I did want to tell you that um, we'll be meeting again next month on Wednesday, June the 5th, at the same time, 9 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Mountain. And I'm so glad that you did indulge your pioneer spirit from the comfort and safety of your favorite armchair. And I encourage you again to look at the books and the art and the videos and all that information is available through my website at quinnwildlifeart.com. So I hope you tell your friends about the show and, and kind of spread it around and let them listen to it because you're all famous radio stars now. And so they can hear you when when I post the link. So I just wanted to say good night and thank you so much for calling in and good spending night. your time. Yeah, good it really night. does mean more than So thank you so much, and okay. I hope to see you all again. And I will say good night from the West. Good night, Nancy. Thanks for the reminder. Good night, Nancy. Good night. God thank bless. You. You too.